back with 27 years to life and today is going to be a little bit different i think that i enjoy talking about the politics and the inspiration but also i want to be able to link my podcast to my blog and my blog is more like a diary it's more open it's less structured and it just talks about feelings and thoughts and emotions and experiences and i want to ensure that my podcast reflects that so i just want to talk about life i want to talk about things that are affecting me and that might be affecting you so the first two segments are going to be about how to deal with being a caring person in a careless world and then the last segment i'm going to bring in raven she's been on the other two episodes and she will be sharing her mental health experience so stay tuned for that if you are interested Okay, so how to survive in a careless world, the 10 commandments for caring people. If you feel that you want to read along, you could go to my blog. My blog is 27ytl.blogspot.com. Check that out if you want to read along or if you just want to reflect after listening to the podcast. So This first half of the segment, we'll be talking about the first five commandments of living in the world that is careless when you're a caring person. The first one is, number one, be caring and kind because that is who you are. Do not let people change you. I believe that oftentimes I do this where I am naturally a caring person and because someone else is being nasty or rude to me, I feel that I need to then do the same to them. I feel that I then need to shut them off or give them the silent treatment. But what I found is that that is hard to do because it's uncomfortable. That's not who I naturally am. I am a naturally caring, open, kind person. And so just because someone else is being rude or mean does not mean that I should step out of my character, that makes you feel even worse than you would if you just let people be who they are and still be who you are. So they're mean, okay, maybe they're going through something, move forward, it is what it is, I'm still gonna be caring and kind. Number two, I know you're gonna roll your eyes, but you have to be more compassionate. I go to therapy every week and One thing that we have talked about in my therapy sessions is that I need to learn how to be a little bit more compassionate to other people. And what that means is that when someone is being careless, when someone is being rude or disrespectful, it's really important for your sanity and happiness for you to look at them as a person with their own set of issues and really try to think about how their life experiences have impacted their the way that they present themselves to the world so for example i have a student who is mean mean rude disrespectful if you didn't know already i am a teacher but this student is like so mean and one day she was being really rude nasty and 
you know, I finally had to talk to her about it. And what I realized is that she had been really trying to not be mean. She's really trying to not come off so aggressive. She is really trying to not be so abrasive. But something inside of her is really hard. And when you dig really deep, she's had a really traumatizing childhood and background. And so maybe that is what has made her a little bit more cold to the world. And so now I can understand that a lot better. It doesn't mean that she's excused for being nasty and rude, but I'm I'm learning to not make it about me and make it feel like, man, this person is being mean to me and more so that this person really just does not know how to express themselves. And that's really sad and I feel for them. I don't know. Number three, go to therapy. It's not a joke. It's not a game. You need to go to therapy. Therapy is not for people with, not only for people with extreme mental illness or mental disorders. It is for you to go and see someone who is trained to help you see things in a different way. It is for you to go and get unbiased information and help you to navigate this world a little bit better therapy has really been the one thing that i feel is truly helping me grow as an individual so go to therapy number four is to find a mantra uh my mantra used to be you're still smart beautiful and kind but now my mantra is simply i am open to new experiences because I have beat myself up tremendously whenever something goes bad. But what I've learned is that I really, all of the experiences are really just things to help me grow. And so if I truly wanna grow as a person, I should be open to all experiences. Number five is breathe. So with that being said, why don't you take a breather now and I'll be back with you with the last five. Welcome back. So if you are back, that is because you want to know the last five commandments of being a caring person in a careless world. So let me stop with breathe. And hopefully you took a breather to process that. But you have to breathe sometimes. Sometimes you just really just need to take a breather. Don't do, don't react, don't respond. Just breathe. Number six don't smile, talk, or laugh if you don't want to. Do not make yourself uncomfortable for others. Oftentimes, for example, let's say someone makes a very crass joke and it offends you. They laugh, so you feel obligated to laugh so that you don't make them uncomfortable. But that person is making a very crass joke and they're unapologetic about it. So if it's not funny, don't laugh. Don't bring unnecessary um, stress on yourself by feeling like you have to appease other people. I know that you're caring and I know you don't wanna hurt other people's feelings, but don't neglect yourself. If it's not funny, don't laugh. If you don't want to smile, don't smile. And if you don't want to talk, don't talk. No one is gonna die from you not doing those things. Seven, take breaks. 
you do not always have to respond. So social media messages, messages, um, text messages, um, voice, like sometimes if you just need to be within yourself by yourself, it is okay to take that time to do so. You don't always have to respond immediately. I know that this is an instant message world, but sometimes things don't have to be instant. You can slow things down. You can take your own pace. And if you don't feel like responding to that text message, don't. If you don't feel like calling or returning a call after a voicemail, don't. Now, if it's a job, I would not advise that because you need the job. But if it's not necessary, you don't need to do it. Number eight, have concerts in the car. It really helps. So when you get in your car, turn on your favorite song, turn it up loud, sing as loud as you can, even though it sounds horrible, and just release. Carrying around all the baggage from the day does nothing for you. It does no good to you. And I know you're walking around being caring and kind, and you're probably drained, but that concert in the car really helps. On my busiest days, when I have to go from work to maybe therapy or work to another event, I really use that time of driving to decompress everything because I don't want to take the baggage from one place to the next place. So I make sure that I decompress in between and I do that using concerts. Never try to outdo petty, never. People are petty, this is a petty society, this is a petty um, era. You can't outdo petty. Petty is rooted in evilness, petty is rooted in malice. You can't outdo that, so don't even try. And 10, Netflix and chill by your damn self. Lay in bed, watch Netflix, and do nothing. Don't talk. Just eat, sleep, and watch Netflix until that little sign shows up that says, are you still there? Because having that time to yourself is just so valuable. It's so, so important. So make sure you take the time to do that. All right. So... Take those 10 commandments, use them as you see fit, and we'll be back in a brief minute to talk about mental health. Money on the table, money on the floor. I cry for every dollar cause that's all I know. And I can tell right now that you ain't seen nothing. I can look you in your eyes, tell you ain't seen nothing. I went in the mud, hustling, running clubs. Just a young nigga that's grinding, pray I'm in the club. And I can tell right now that you ain't seen nothing. I can look you in your eyes, tell you ain't seen nothing. Select a few, that's how I'm sliding through. A crew of dudes who never has it when we making moves. I made it through a lot of shit. And a lot of niggas never do But it could be like Total package But I'm still with this And my man like I'll never have it Fake it till you make it Niggas only good for acting Alright so in between our mental health segment I wanted to add in some new music 
This is by Royal, titled YNSN. You can find him on YouTube. Um, go ahead and subscribe. Good music, um, strong rapper, great lyrics. Please check that out. Hey, Tasha. Hey, Raven. So, Raven has joined us for our mental health segment. I promise you she will be here. She is here. Thank you for um, continuing to be on my podcast every week. Of course. Anything for you. Oh, thanks. Okay. So, um, I thought that it would be a good idea for us to just, um, for you to share your mental health experience. So, I have five questions for you. Um, you can answer them with one word, or you can go into detail. It's up to you, whatever you feel comfortable with. Okay. Um, so, question number one, how long have you been dealing with mental health issues? Um, I think my first real brush-in with uh, mental health was when I was 14. Um, and I think at that time, a lot of trauma from my childhood had suddenly come up. And I think that was like really my first time really experiencing depression. And I think it was my first time actually calling it that. Um, at that time when I was 14 and I was in high school and I didn't have like a lot of resources about mental health, I don't think that I really thought of it as like a mental health scare or anything like that. I remember... Um, I had taken like a lot of pills because that was like my attempt to suicide and I went to school and um, my aunt came and picked me up and one of the things that she said to me when I got in the car was, you know, people who try to kill themselves go to hell and <laughs> that was my first experience with um, kind of like battling like mental health or like, I don't know, basically that was my first time ever knowing that it was really a thing. Mhm. Okay. Um. So, do you want to go a little bit more into your story? Like, um, after that experience, what was like another breaking point that you experienced, or just uh, want to know more detail about what what you've been dealing with? Okay. So, during that time when I was fourteen years old, I was moving from my mom's house. Um. And I had lived in, like, D.C. and, like, Prince George's County with her. And there was, like, a really big blow up at my house. And and I started living with my dad. And my dad was, like, a drug addict and had a lot going on. And at that point in his life, he had decided to live with my aunt, who was living in Northern Virginia. And because of, like, that move for him, thought it was, like, a perfect time to take in his kids. He, we had never lived with him before. And I remember just, like, that whole event, like, bringing up a lot. Um, and that year or so, and, like, that year and then the next couple of years, I don't know why, but, um, like, sexual abuse from my past came up. And just, like, a whole lot of things came up. Um, and I think from that point on, I feel like I've kind of been coping with those things or, like, trying to find a way to deal with them series of different ways um but still for the most part kind of like making it I made it through 
Um, and I had like bouts of depression, but I would always get through it. Um, I went to college. I think I was like pretty much fine. I had my friends and I think that I was good. And then it was, um, after I graduated college, I started to do a program called teach for America. And I feel like that was like the second time in my life where all of this stuff with like mental health really started to bubble up. And um, depression, my third year, going into my third year of teaching hit me really hard. I had been experiencing it a little bit when I was doing Teach for America, but like my third year of teaching, it had become like a point where it was unbearable. Like I like couldn't function and I was scaring my husband and I was scaring my, my dad and people all around me were really worried. And I tell this story to people when they ask me about how my experience with my last job because I actually didn't stay that whole school year I ended up leaving um and the best way that I could describe it was that um like every single day was a bad day like it didn't matter what day I was like going Monday through Sunday and I was having a terrible day each day and um I I don't know like that was one of the most dramatic things that had ever happened in my life. So I really didn't know what to do. So um, on November 11th, I think that was the day I went into work. And usually, um, regardless of how I felt, I would plan like my lessons like feverishly. I always came to work prepared. Um, I always got there early. I always, you know, we would have these staff um, meetings every morning and I would be to them on time. And that morning I went to school and I had like no lesson plan. Like I remember just like walking through the school feeling like a zombie. Tasha. Yes. Okay. Raven's back with us. So sorry for that little brief um, glitch, but it happens. So we're back. Um, Raven, you want to finish where you um, left off? Yeah. um, So I said the day that I decided to finally leave my job, Um, I walked straight into the building and I was just talking about how um, for those two and like a half years that I've been teaching, I would plan my lessons feverishly. Like I never came in unprepared, but that day I got up, I walked through the school feeling like a zombie. um, And I remember going into my classroom and I just like sat down and I just like broke down and I was sobbing and I didn't know why. And I didn't know how to stop. Um, And I actually missed our morning staff meeting. And I remember my um, co-teacher at the time coming in and like she looked at me and she was just like, I have to call your husband. Um, And just like a few other co-workers who came in and kind of like escorted me out and um, were really empathetic in that moment while I was going through what I didn't really understand what I was going through. Mm -hmm. Um, So what eventually happened is I ended up and this is something like I don't even tell people because at this point I still feel kind of embarrassed about it. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad, he came down, like he took off work. He came down. Um, my husband took off work. He came to the school and he picked me up and um, they talked to me while we like, they talked to me when I got home and it was like, so what do you want to do? And I remember in that moment, just feeling like, whatever was happening was something that I couldn't fix um, Mm -hmm. because I had spent like a lot of my life, like, you know, just riding with it, just saying whatever, like 
being sad, but really getting over it. But in that moment, like I couldn't fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they took me to the hospital and it wasn't like something where they like came and got me. There's nothing wrong with that, but that didn't happen. Like mm-hmm. I made the decision that I needed to be in a hospital because I didn't know what was going on. Um, so I went to the hospital, they like talked to me and they made like, basically they talked to you and they kind of help you to understand like what you are about to do. And I remember the woman at a psychiatrist was doing my intake. Um, she said, you might feel afraid and you might feel like embarrassed or scared, but what you're doing right now could be changing. Like it could be saving your life. And, Mm -hmm. um, I believe her and I still do believe her. And I know that like that day really like changed my life. It saved my life. And it really made me think differently about mental health. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Wow. Thank wow. you. Thank you. Of course. Um, so, so I was going to ask, what are you doing to address it? But you already kind of answered that. So now I want to know how you're dealing with it now. So um, after I had gone, I actually ended up quitting my job and I did this day program, Mm -hmm. um, which was kind of like you going to like uh, the outpatient of the hospital every day. It was kind of like school. Mm -hmm. And um, they had you see a psychiatrist every day and like you got to talk and you got to learn um, a lot of different coping mechanisms. And I still use some of them. Um, I use mindfulness a a lot Mm -hmm. um, to kind of like get me out of my head and to kind of put me where like the moment is because um, I have anxiety. And so my thoughts can go like one, like zero to a hundred real quick. So um, I used that and then there was like something that they taught us called CBT, which is like cognitive behavior therapy where you kind of like write it out and I have like a journal on my phone. So like when things get really bad, I'll end up doing that. Um, I do try to practice self-care, more <laughs> self-care than I used to, which is probably still not a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, since then, I've had like I had one therapist who I was actually seeing when I went to the hospital and mm-hmm. um, I don't know. She, we didn't really hit it off. So I ended up not going to her. Mm-hmm. And then I um, started with a therapist and then it was too expensive. So I've been kind of in between like using my own strategies, but then still trying to find a therapist because I know that that's something that I need to be as a part of like my daily routine. Right. Thank you. Um, last question is what advice could you give to someone dealing with similar experiences? My advice dealing with someone um, who is going through similar experiences. Um, when you are really feeling like you are in a place where like you can't go back or like you're feeling in a place where like it's so dark that you don't think that anybody can pull you out. All I'm going to say is, like, there's nothing wrong with going to the hospital. Like, if I break my leg, I will go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Like, if something happens, I will go to the hospital. There's nothing wrong with, like, acknowledging that something isn't right and then going to the hospital so that it can be fixed. Because Mm -hmm. the people in those places, they are professionals. And I remember, like, 
after I had done, like, I was at that hospital for a week, and it was, like, it was peaceful to me. Like, it was the first time after, like, feeling in the dark for so long that, like, I actually felt, like, a little light. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, coming out, and someone who was really close to me said something about, like, crazy people or, like, called the people there crazy. And that's definitely, like, a way that I would have thought about it Mm -hmm. in the beginning. But just like being there and I had to let her know, like the people there weren't crazy. Like it was people's grandmothers, people's mothers. Like mm-hmm. um, there was like a, a a first lady from a church there. Like people experience mental illness. And I don't think that we should be ashamed to talk about it. And I don't think that we should be ashamed to get help if we re- really need help. Um, so I would say, number one, like, if you are feeling in that place where you are feeling so dark that no one can help you, go get help. And, like, sometimes, like, help isn't as simple as, like, going to a therapist because, like, you go to a therapist and you go home. Like, sometimes you really do need to go to a hospital if you really need help. Right. Um, The next thing that I would say is to talk to someone. Um. Tasha was my at that point was like kind of like my someone and who someone who was like consistently like reaching her hand out to me even though um I wasn't ready to take it Mm -hmm. even though um sometimes I really didn't want to take it um but just like having someone who's gonna like consistently like reach that hand out Mm -hmm. to you even if like you aren't ready to take it and um I would just say to I don't know my advice or like not even my advice but like if there's like someone listening to this and they are feeling like lost or they are feeling quote unquote crazy to just like let you know that like you are not alone and I know that's corny but it's true Mm -hmm. Um, when I got the opportunity to finally do like group with other people who were experiencing like crippling depression it was really comforting to know that I wasn't by myself Mm mm-hmm well, thank you so much for sharing. I know that um, I, I've like seen some of like some of that stuff. Some of those things happen. Like I've, I've been present and messaging you and talking to you. And I know like that is very hard to kind of open yourself up to the world and let people know that. But you're doing something really great for those people who are listening and for yourself. So thank you for being so transparent. Thank you, Tasha. All right, we will um, have her back soon. Thank you for um, joining our segment, and um, I'll be back. Bye-bye. So thank you for joining my podcast this week. Um, we've talked, we've dissected, and we've explored mental health. And I want to leave you with a last closing note. So this is a really interesting anecdote um, by Wayne Dyers. Um, he's an author, and he was at a I Can Do It conference, and he was having this interesting conversation with a 12-year-old. So I'm just going to read what he said. He, start, he started with, if I were to squeeze this orange as hard as I could, what would come out, I asked him. He looked at me like I was a little crazy and said, 
Juice, of course. Do you think apple juice could come out of it? No, he laughed. What about grapefruit juice? No. What would come out of it? Orange juice, of course. Why? Why, when you squeeze an orange, does orange juice come out of it? He may have been getting a little exasperated with me at this point. Well, it's an orange, and that's what's inside. I nodded. Let's assume that this orange isn't an orange, but it's you. And someone squeezes you, puts pressure on you, says something you don't like, offends you, and out of you comes anger, hatred, bitterness, fear. Why? The answer, as our young friend has told us, is because that's what's inside of you. I want you all to challenge yourselves to truly find out what is inside of you when the world squeezes you. That's the journey that I am on, and I truly believe that I am going to find those things out and start healing so that I am not broken and beaten down by the world and that I can truly be happy and experience life as the best experience possible. So we're going to continue doing that, and I'll be back with you next week to continue exploring ourselves 27 years to life thank you for listening the podcast you just heard was recorded with anchor if you want to make your own download the android or ios app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast that's anchor.fm slash podcast